Hey everyone, welcome back to the Tribe of Nerds. Uh, I'm back uh, to do my other solo podcast that I've been wanting to do for a while, just hasn't uh, panned out until now uh, in the lead up. I believe we are now officially about a week away from Survivor 42, so I figured this is the perfect time to do U.S. Survivor winner rankings. And just to clear this up, I guess this is how I feel about their gameplay and how I how I'd rate their winning games. Uh, obviously, maybe I'll talk about times they've come back, whether that was successful or not. But I, but overall, I think their winning performances is what I want to focus on more than anything because obviously that was their best performance. Um. Um. So. Um. Uh, other than that, I mean, and the two two time winners. Uh, both their games are going to be counted together combined, so I'll be talking about uh, them together rather than separating their two wins, which is would be very, very difficult. Um, Alright, so from 39 down to 1. Alright, my the worst winner for me, and, and I do want to also say, like, I think everybody deserved to win the season that they won. Um... Obviously, some winners are going to be weaker than others, in my opinion, but I don't think there's been a terrible Survivor winner, if that makes sense. I think everybody deserves to win a Survivor season. Um, but number 39, my worst winner is Bob Crowley from Survivor Gabon. Um, Bob is interesting for the fact that Gabon was a big train wreck season, and... Um, for Bob, I think like his biggest, his best moves in the game in the season were making the fake idol, um, but that almost cost him Randy's jury vote. So I don't even know that that was necessarily the best way to utilize. I think it was a great thing to try. I just don't know that he he almost cost himself the game doing that um, had he not been up against. Uh, Susie, who annoyed people, and Sugar, who the jury just actively disliked. Um, and obviously winning, like, three immunities in a row. I, I do put a little bit of stock in being able to win immunities when it in, when it comes in clutch, like, when, uh, when you need to. I think that's important, because people have floundered in that regard before. So... Yeah, it's just like, I, I don't think Bob's overall game is that great in a lot of ways. Uh, so, and I just, I don't think he had a great final tribal, uh, despite the fact that I think Kenny is unnecessarily bitter because he wanted Bob to literally get himself voted out. Um, so, I, I don't know. Um... So I, I have to put Bob at the, as the lowest here. I know people will probably think that there's someone who deserves to be lower just based on uh, technically they didn't play the game for the full 39 days or full amount of days that there were in a season. Uh, but uh, that person I have next. So number 38, I have Chris Underwood from Edge of Extinction, season 38. Um, someone who technically really only played 13 days of the game and was on the edge for the rest of it. Um, to me, Chris's game is at least more impressive than Bob's for his last, like, five days, where he, from the final six to the end, um, which got him the win, pretty much, along with the relationships that he built on the edge, which is kind of unfair. Um, I, but evidently, Gavin and Julie really didn't do enough to beat Chris, which is saying something. Um... I would say Rick Devins probably deserved to win the season, but uh, obviously Chris made that move to take Rick out um, at the final four. So it, it's hard for me because otherwise Chris, without the edge of extinction, Chris would have been a third boot. But then again, so Devins would have been a fourth boot. So I mean, but I, I liked the edge returning at the merge. I don't think bringing them in at the very end of the game is necessarily fair, but Survivor's not fair, so, you know, I, I guess in this case, I, I think Chris just did more that was entertaining and more 
better moves than I think Bob did all season. So that's why I have him a spot higher. Number 37, I have Amber uh, Burkich Mariano, Boston Rob's wife, um, who he they married, obviously, uh, on All-Stars. Um, so Amber, to me, obviously going into All-Stars, she was like the least threatening returning player there. And that whole season was about targeting all the big names uh, for one reason or another. Um, so, you know, I, Amber, I think, was the more social part of her alliance with Boston Rob. Obviously, I think that was great for her to... Uh, Taglon with Boston Rob for that reason because he was pissing the jury off. Um, I'll, you know, but I mean, Amber didn't not do anything. There are parts I think she, at least the show, gave her credit for kind of organizing Rob Sesternino's blind side and Shapira. And then I think she deserves a little bit of credit. I know Boston Rob had like the friendship with Lex that got Lex to pretty much throw away his game to honor the friendship with Rob. But I think Amber did enough to convince Kathy uh, and Lex that she should stay over Jerry. So I think you have to give her a little bit of credit for that. Um, and so I, and evidently Sheanne really respected Amber's game enough to really think that she was the best player. And so I, I don't think Amber didn't I think she deserved her win in all stars it's just I mean I definitely think that was Boston Rob's game to lose and evidently he lost it so um yeah so Amber Amber, Amber isn't the worst by any means but for me I maybe she was just too she she rode coattails too much for my liking maybe that's just not my favorite style of game to watch or play so number 36 very similar situation natalie white from samoa who lost or who beat russell hans in the finals in this first season samoa um natalie white very similar situation had a really good social game i think the editors did her very dirty only got like 15 confessionals the entire season where russell got like 100 um that's really not okay but uh to really under edit your winner i get that she's probably not the best tv and Russell was, but, like, at the time. But, like, I don't know. I just... Um, she did some smart stuff uh, with her social game. I mean, she did get the women on Galoo to take out Eric at the merge. Um, so, I mean, she did some things, and obviously she knew that the jury hated Russell's guts. Um, so, I again, it's hilarious to me that Ru to see Russell lose that season, too, because I don't like Russell. So I'm happy with a Natalie White win in that regard. Um, although, obviously, you can say Russell should have won that season. I don't think so. Um, I don't agree with that. But um, number 35, rounding out at the bottom five, I have Fabio from Nicaragua. And Fabio is interesting to me. Again, he clutched and won uh, several immunity, three immunities in a row as well. Um, to get to the end, and obviously the jury loved him because, like, he won on social game. Um, I, I don't know that Fabio... I think Fabio was totally out of loop for half the game. I mean, I, I don't think he truly understood what was going on strategy-wise. Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of like... Because, like, there's a thing of, like, is, did Fabio do all of these... Did, did Fabio play dumb deliberately, or was he just completely out of the loop? And I think it's the latter for the most part. I I know there's confessionals and things where it seems like he's smarter than he lets on. Um, which, you know, to be fair, he could have been taken out when Benry went home at the final seven, and then he went on his immunity run. So, I mean, there's, I guess, maybe credit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Again, Fabio winning, I guess, is a good thing, I guess, for the um, for the fact that I feel like a lot of Nicaragua's cast was very unlikable. I think Holly probably should have won that season, but I, I uh, really, I mean, he was definitely the most likable of everyone in the game. But it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to rate him high because I just don't think he did 
much strategically uh, as a deliberate strategy. Um, all right, number 34, I have Ben Drebergen from Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers. I think Ben um, should get more credit for uh, the first half of the game and through to the uh, middle of the merge. Um, uh, really, I know people obviously take issue with then at the final seven onward, he's just playing idols and then has the twist that he obviously had no idea what was happening and people blame production for conveniently hiding idols where Ben would be. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think Blen, Ben played a good, uh, first like two thirds of that, of season 35, um, and deserves more credit for that. Um, and people should have seen him as a front runner from earlier on in the game and they didn't. So, um, you know, and they should have been looking for more idols uh, instead of letting Ben kind of go around and find stuff. I don't know. I and if the jury didn't think Ben didn't like Ben or didn't think he deserved to win, then he wouldn't have won. They evidently didn't like Chrissy, and they didn't think Ryan did as much. Uh, so I, I, I think Ben deserved his win. I just, um, I get why people don't like what happened specifically with the fire making twist that everybody hates which i don't like either but i don't hate ben as a winner um number 33 i have danny boatwright from guatemala i think so she's one where it's like she always says like she beat the radar and kind of deliberately hit her strategy from production which is why she didn't get many confessionals um I think Danny did a great job of it's one of the another one of those cases where she was down in the numbers her alliance got all picked off and she managed to skate through the majority alliance and get them to turn on each other uh, or watch them turn on each other um, she does deserve credit for that I'm not I, I think it's a different time back then in the old school days of survivor compared to now and I don't want to bring up her winners at war game but that wasn't very good um, I don't know. Danny's one for me. Like, I think she deserved to beat Stephanie because I think Stephanie made horrible strategic decisions that, um, and obviously Rafe would have won had he not let Danny go from the promise that they made together. Uh, and so I, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I, I feel like again, Stephanie lost the game. So Danny won the game a little bit. But um, kudos to Danny for not doing what Steph did and piss off the jury. Again, another case of that. So number 32, I have Mike Holloway from Worlds Apart, the blue collar, no collar, white collar. I think Mike, again, Clutch won five immunities, had an idol that saved him. So, I mean, he was immune for the last six rounds of the game. Like, that's impressive um, because he was able to win a lot of the immunity challenges at the merge um, to the end. Um, and, and Mike is someone that takes big risks. I was bummed not to see him at Winner's War, to be honest. I think Mike would have been really interesting. Obviously, Ben took his place, really. Um, uh, but Mike, Mike's an interesting, uh, character, and I think a really interesting kind of player. Um, obviously, the, the whole auction thing with the letter obviously kind of blew up his game, but obviously Rodney was already coming for him, I think, and that's why he kind of flipped out a little bit. Not saying it, he definitely could have played that better. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, I don't know, I feel like in terms of having control, I can't put Mike much higher. Um, number 31, I have Aris from Panama Exile Island. Uh, I think Aris um, is one where, I mean, Jeff Probst has called him one of the most boring winners of all time. I guess, I mean, when you're on a season and you're, like, the straight man to all the crazy people that are on that season and Shane and uh, Fire Dancer Courtney and you have Sari there and Terry and I, I think you, I think it's hard to stand out as much when you have the, this, like, standout cast around you. Um, but Aris was that straight man and kind of was the one, the glue holding the Kasaya, the crazy Kasaya people together, so... Um, have to give Aris credit for that, and really he was able to get people to keep him so that they could possibly beat Terry, and 
so I think that's actually really impressive, um, because they could have easily taken him out, and, um, really then, I mean, nothing was, already nothing was kind of really standing in the way of Terry winning up until the last couple challenges, so, I mean, it's impressive that he was able to get people to keep him, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think RS is kind of interesting in that regard, um, uh, number 30, I have Jenna Marasco on Amazon. I think Rob Cisternino controlled majority of that season, um, but obviously Jenna won the last few challenges and then voted Rob out. Um, I think Jenna had a good social game. I think the edit portrayed her as this spoiled brat a lot of the time, which is pretty unfair in a way. I mean, I think every winner has negative moments out there, I believe. Um, I, I think that Jenna... Um, Jenna obviously had these tight social bonds with people that a lot that everyone was willing to work with her at points in the game, uh, and so like even after Rob blindsided Alex because Alex told him uh, that he wasn't taking him to the final three, which was a really stupid decision, voting him out final four, and like obviously uh, then Rob is able to get Jenna and Heidi to vote out Christy and. Heidi goes before Jenna, and so, like, I, I think that, um, I think that Jenna deserves credit, I guess, for, like, being able to, despite her being really mad at Rob, obviously, I, I think she deserves credit for being able to get, uh, every, people to work with her again for other moves, so, yeah, I, I don't think... She gets enough credit for that and her social game that, you know, obviously Matt was way more positively shown in a way more positive light than, uh, you know, than what the jury actually saw. So, number 29, I have Denise Stapley from Philippines. I, again, I think it's another case of Malcolm. It was Malcolm's game to lose. Malcolm lost it literally at the final four right before the end uh, in that final round, and I Denise capitalized on that. I don't think Denise played horribly, though. I think Denise played great. I mean, she went to every tribal council in the Philippines, and that's super impressive to survive that many tribal councils. It was her, Malcolm, at that point, because Scoopin and Lisa are really stupid, um, and decided not to take Abby Maria through, which... I I mean, I'm glad, though, because I'm glad it was going to be either Denise or Malcolm, because obviously we wouldn't want to certain someone named Scoopin to have been the winner of this season. Um, and I think Lisa, it, it, she's well off anyway. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, uh, so Denise deserved it. Um, and she slayed the queen in Winners of War. So, like, that's impressive in itself. If I'm talking about her Philippines game, though, I just think that she capitalized on what Malcolm wasn't able to do at the end of the game. Um, number 28, I have Sepia Towery from Survivor Marquesas, uh, the first uh, African-American winner, um, which is great. Um, and uh, Vesepia, I think, uh, I think uh, she played, like, the first, I guess, half, first seven rounds uh, pretty well. I mean, she was able to kiss up to the people in charge and puff them up to make them feel really powerful. And then um, she was able to get uh, get in with the majority to then vote those people out. She did it with Hunter. She was able to uh, suck up to the Rotus. She got Boston Rob out um, before the jury even. And then she was able to join the majority to take out John and the Rotu 4. Um, I think, obviously, you know, she kind of just rides the majority till the final five, and then Kathy sides with Pascal, Pascal and Aaliyah against her, and Sean takes out Sean. I think her final four play, final four and final three, like, final four onwards, I think, is awesome, because then she has the thing with the journal where she socially was able to learn about people, and that's super impressive. Um... I just kind of think it's kind of like... I think Vesepia would have been cool to see at Winners at War. Um, uh, I think she has uh, the ability to play a really good second game. Uh, um, it's just kind of... She's 
there's rounds where she's just not doing much, unfortunately, due to the nature of she really didn't need to do much until it really came down to crunch time at the end of the game. Um, uh, 27, I have the most recent winner, Erica Kasupanon uh, from Survivor 41. I'm probably mispronouncing her last name. I'm sorry. Uh, Erica was... So I know, like, I was on the Xander train as much as a lot of people were um, by the end of Survivor 41, but I don't think people should put the hate on Erica. I think Erica played really well after the hourglass twist. Obviously, people hate that twist as well. Um, but after that final 11 onwards, like, she played really, really well. Was the lamb and... Uh, was the lamb that then turned into the lion, if I'm getting her quote right. Um, and she was able to uh, get have all the threats target each other, and then she came out, she organized the Danny vote. Uh, she got Danny out instead of Deshaun, because she knew she could have an easier time beating Deshaun than Danny. Um, and then she was able to turn on Ricard, and then and then make Xander believe that he could take her to the end and win. Um, and the jury respected Erica's game. Um, again, another under the radar. I also think the edit didn't do really her as many favors. Obviously, um, her team, uh, Luvu kept winning uh, before the merge every single uh, immunity challenge. So, um, but really not a, as bad of a winner as other people say. I have like 12 winners above her that I think are worse than Erica. Uh, all right, uh, 26, I have Ethan Zahn from Africa. Ethan's really likable. Um, obviously a great human being uh, in real life. Uh, and uh, Ethan played a really good uh, kind of under-the-radar game as well in Africa and was able to have these solid connections and these solid alliances with Big Tom and Lex and Kim. And you have to give him credit there that Kim took him to the end over Lex, um, although, you know, that, again, that's another case of Lex probably could have and should have won that season, but I think, uh, Ethan played well to, uh, have those connections with everybody so that they didn't want to vote him out, uh, towards the end there, and so, um, yeah, e Ethan, Ethan's a good player, uh, it, um, fortunately what happened to him at Winners of War, I mean, I, I just don't think, unfortunately, that people were going to let him get very far with his story of beating cancer, and I just, that's un that's unfortunate. He was also the last winner standing on All-Stars, so again, it, it's impressive. Um, I, yeah, I just think Ethan has gotten a raw deal on his two return appearances, um, unfortunately. Uh, 25, I have Tina from Australian Outback, very similar to Ethan, also got a raw deal on All-Stars. Um, did pretty well in Blood vs. Water, uh, and then, uh, Australian Outback, she beat Colby, um, you know, she won because she was more, seen as the more strategic of the two, and I can totally see that, I mean, there's points on the, their original tribe that she was able to flip things, get Colby to flip on Jerry, uh, and Amber, and so that's, that's pretty impressive, and, um, yeah, Tina, Tina played well in Australia, um, it's just, she's very similar to Ethan a little bit, um, but, um, she might have been another interesting one to see back a fourth time on Winners at War, but I do think maybe through Blood versus Water, I think we saw what a return appearance, a proper return appearance should be from her, but, all right, 24, I have Adam Klein for Millennials versus Gen X. This is the one of the winners where I connected to the most. I picked him as my winner pick for that season. And wasn't totally sure, thought it could be David, but I was glad I picked right uh, for once. And Adam, like, he played somewhat of a messy game, obviously, with, like, the merge vote. But after that, I mean, he was strategically, like, playing and um, was never the one that was, like, the front runner. But strategically was playing, uh, playing underneath people. And so... Adam, and obviously he won unanimous jury vote, so um, I think Adam is a good player, and Winners at War, I think, kind of confirmed that. I think, unfortunately, 
Like, he knew he was in trouble at the moment he was, and unfortunately, the the Podium Idol, if that would have worked, that would have been one of the most genius plays of all time. And so, um, as a super fan, like, that's it's great to see a super fan go out there and do as well as he did, and also a great story for him as well. Um, 23, I have Tyson Apostle from Blood vs. Water. I think Tyson's a good player. Um, I think his threat level, um, obviously, uh, was, is his undoing most of the time, um, because he's an all-around threat. I think Blood vs. Water, he played really, really well to avoid that, though. I mean, I think getting injured, but then playing up that injury was really, really good. Um, and getting the singles together and to take out the remaining couples at the merge was really good. Um, I... It was awesome to see uh, Tyson take a controlling position for once in his Survivor career. So, I think Tyson's a good player, and he's really funny. So, I I kind of just, you know, it's just kind of here where I think his threat level means he's down here. Um, but number 22, I have Wendell Holland from Ghost Island. Wendell beat Dominic in the closest... Uh, uh, jury vote uh, in Survivor history, uh, technically six to five, but it was the first ever tie for a winner. And I think Wendell played a very good social game to Dominic's aggressive strategic approach, and they were a really good dynamic duo. Um, and yeah, I mean, Wendell clearly connected with the last half of the jury that Dominic didn't do as well. Um, so, I, you have to give Wendell props that he was able to beat the second best player of the season. So, um, yeah, I, I think Wendell's a good player. Um, I think winners awarded him dirty with the edit, because I don't, I, I just, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I don't, I just don't think the edit portrayed him in the right way, unfortunately. But Wendell's a good player, so, um... I think he was a front runner to win Ghost Island as well. So, um, number 21, I have John Cochran from Fans vs. Favorites 2. I think Cochran, another, played a perfect game in that season after being so socially awkward and uh, kind of disliked on his original season. Um, I think Cochran played really, really well, um, and he let Dawn take the. Uh, majority of the blame for everything that happened, which kind of unfair to Don, but also I think, I mean, that's part of the game, and Cochran played a really good social game and didn't get a vote against him, surprisingly won more challenges than people would have given him credit for. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to see the transformation of Cochran across two seasons. So, uh, number 20, the top 20, uh, Sophie Clark from South Pacific. I think Sophie is actually pretty good i was considering putting her up higher but i feel like that'd be a disservice to a couple uh people that maybe were pioneers of the game and i know that maybe shouldn't be taken into account but sobe's a really good player i think winners at war solidified that um and she was able to hide behind behind these big egos of ozzy and coach but still maintain strategic control and really, to me, it was the person, one of the only people that really had a clue what was actually going on, um, whereas Coach was trying to pretend that uh, Survivor was like a cult or religious uh, game. And, you know, I, I really think that Sophie really played well for that. And then Winners of War, I mean, again, that shouldn't be taken into account. But, I mean, she played really well Winners of War until Tony took her out with an idol in her pocket. And... Uh, as crazy as that is, I think Sophie's a good player, um, for sure. Uh, number 19, I have Nick Wilson from David versus Goliath. I think Nick played a really good modern survivor game in David versus Goliath. I think Winners at War, uh, there's things he definitely could have done better, but I think he did pretty well as well. Um, but uh, David versus Goliath, Nick, um, I mean, he was able to play those advantages really well, was able to win some immunities. Um, there's people thinking that he could have been the first boot of the season had Pat not gotten gotten evacuated, but I think Nick probably would have been fine. Um, so I think he had enough uh, connections with the people on the tribe that he wouldn't have been first boot. I don't know who would have been, actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Nick's a good player. I, I really think that he played those advantages really, really well, and he had the connections with like Mike White and stuff that was able to keep him around. 
uh, past all the other Davids once the game flipped. So, um, yeah. So, uh, number 18, I have Richard Hatch. So, from Borneo, first Survivor winner. I think Richard pioneered the game and created it, like, knew the game before anybody else did. And I don't, he's not my favorite winner at all. Um, <laughs> probably not the greatest person either. Um, but I I think Hatch, uh, I, I, I don't think he could play uh, and win any other season but Borneo. So it's amazing that he was able to win that. Um, but I credit, I think his final three move of throwing the immunity, final immunity challenge so Kelly could vote Rudy out was a, is a really, one of the best moves in Survivor history because, like, Hatch knew his position at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, uh, Hatch should be this high. I debated at least putting him a couple spots lower behind Sophie and Nick, but... I don't know. I feel like Pioneer of the Game should be a little bit higher than that. But I think this is a good spot for Hatch in terms of I just don't think that he could come back and ever do that well again. All-Stars, obviously, he was a massive target. I just don't think anybody would let him get far, and I don't think he would play optimally either because I think, like All-Stars, he's going to think that it's a big joke, and I just don't. I don't think he's really going to try either. So, um, not that he had a chance of winning All-Stars, but, like, you know, I just don't think any other season he has a chance of winning again. Number 17, similar to Hatch, um, Brian Heideck from Thailand. I think Brian is probably the most unlikable winner in Survivor history. Thailand's a dark season. I think Brian being the used car salesman, I mean, dude was slimy and was able to pretend that he had connections with people. And take Clay to the end as a GOAT. Still only one by one vote, but I think Clay was never getting those four votes, so Brian had it locked up um, from the start. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like Brian is one of my least favorite winners probably either. I think his game is pretty good for that season. I I would have been curious to see how Brian would have done on Winners at War. I don't think he would have done that well, though. I don't think you can... He did it on Thailand, but I think he was surrounded by a lot of other not-so-great people most of the time. So I just, I think, I just don't see him being able to con fake connections with people uh, in their modern era specifically. I mean, I just think, you, you, you can't do that. I mean, you, you can't pretend to connect with people and then just, like, actually not, I guess. Um, Brian's the only case of that, and I just think... Like, he's the only asshole to have that. I mean, I guess you could say Hatch, but, like, only asshole to win Survivor, in my opinion. Um, number 16, I have Michelle Fitzgerald and Koran. I know people that love Aubrey are going to be like, Aubrey should have won. I think Michelle is a really good Survivor player. I think she knows how to hide under the radar, but also, like, perceive what's going on. Uh, I think she proved that Winners of War. She came up short. I mean, she was the second best player next to Tony in that season. Um, and Koran, she really endeared herself to people socially and was able to beat Aubrey, the second best player of that season. Uh, so um, Michelle's a really good player. I see her doing well in a lot of other seasons. Um, and I think her Koran game is a little bit underrated. I need to do a rewatch of that season to kind of see her game more. But I think she, again, I think she's a really good player and she won challenges when she needed to. Uh, 15, I have Natalie Anderson from San Juan del Sur. I know <laughs> her winners at War Game is a little controversial, obviously. She was the first boot there. But San Juan del Sur, she played probably one of the best endgame survivors ever seen. She knew how to turn it on being flashy. Um, Final seven, she pretends to mistakenly vote out Alec when she knew exactly what she was doing, and then she blindsides John Mish, and then she plays the adult on Jacqueline to blindside Baylor, and then still gets the women to just take out Keith Nail at the final four. Like, that's really, really impressive. And uh, so I, I have Natalie Anderson at 15. Um, I'm looking at the list. There, I think I have two female winners. No, sorry. Uh four female winners above above Natalie Anderson, but she's definitely one of the best female winners. 
Number 14, I have Chris Doherty from Vanuatu. I think Chris's win is impressive in the fact that he was down one man to six women in a men versus women season and still managed to get the women to turn on each other and get to the end and just... I mean, you could consider him an asshole like Brian or Hatch, but, like, I don't know. I mean, it just, like... I guess he was able to kind of bullshit his way to the jury at the end, which is really, really funny. Um, but he was a great confession list. I would have loved to see him at Winners at War, honestly, just to hear what he had to say about the game. I think he has an interesting take on the game. Um, I don't know how he would do, though, but um, for a men versus women season, for a guy that's down 1-6 to six to be able to come back and win that entire season is amazing um, because those seasons are obviously set up to where the women want to kick the men's ass, and uh, <laughs> he should have been out in seventh place, but he wasn't. Um, number 13, I have Sarah Lucina from Game Changers. I'm not as big of a fan of Game Changers for several reasons. Um, Sarah did play a good game, though, um, it, and she obviously played a really good game on Winners at War 2 um, and redeemed herself from Kagiya in the past, the next two times she played. Um, it's, it's weird. I, I feel like Sarah has this ability to connect with people, but then switch it off and then cut them loose. And I know that's probably a unique quality a lot of these winners have. Um, but I mean, Sarah, Sarah's a good player. Um, so I, I didn't, I don't think I have a flaw with her game changers game. It's the fact that just that season was uncomfortable at points and, Losing a lot of major players the way we did, I just left a bitter taste in my mouth, as I've said before. Uh, number 12, I have Boston Rob. So, my thing with Boston Rob is that I, he used to be one of my favorite winners, uh, but or say favorite players, period. Um, my thing with Boston Rob is I think if he doesn't have complete control, like he had in Redemption Island, where he finally won on his fourth try... We've seen it. He literally falls apart and loses the game. Um, Marquesas, he literally, uh, he literally was too loud and, uh, you know, and uh, mean spirited in that season, and uh, got voted out at the merge. Uh, All stars, he lost to Amber because of. Uh, how he played that season. Um, but then we have Heroes versus Villains. I agree, Tyson um, kind of screwed things up. But then once he was on the ropes, he should have still had majority, but that really screwed up his uh, how he was playing and he couldn't recover uh, in Heroes versus Villains. And then Winners at War, I obviously he tried to do the same thing that happened in Redemption Island, and that doesn't work with a group of winners. Somehow he got them to empty their bags earlier, but, like, you're not gonna get people to just sit there at camp and do nothing. Like, I, come on, Rob. Like, I don't know why you thought that strategy was gonna work on winners. I know that it worked with these new players on Redemption Island. That being said, Rob's game in Redemption Island is impressive that he's able to keep these people following him like sheep. Um... And he's able to drag Philip all the way to the end, which is crazy that he was able to accomplish that. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think the Matt voting out Matt both times, specifically even the merge vote, is just impressive. That's one of the most impressive moves in Survivor history to me. Um, so Boston Rob deserves credit for all that and being able to get a jury to still vote for him because he took uh, Natalie, who didn't really... He kept his alliance from connecting to the other tribe who was going to be on the jury, so Natalie didn't get the win, and Philip just is Philip. So, um, all right, number 11, I have Tom Westman in Palau. Tom is a really impressive winner to me. I He's definitely one of my favorites. Um, I, I think... I just think maybe Tom doesn't have uh, too much. I, I don't know if he has as much as some of the other winners above him have. But um, Tom, Tom played a really impressive game in Palau. Um, uh, one was the reason, major reason for his tribe winning all the immunity challenges before the merge. And that's insane. Um, and then won five immunity challenges at the merge. And... Um, 
really, really controlled the game from start to finish, was able to, you know, uh, be able to, uh, you know, do what he did. Um, I think Tom is a really good winner of Survivor. Um, this was t- a tough decision once it got down to this, like, top 11, top 12 of being like, okay, who's going to go here and who's going to go where? I really respect Tom's game in Palau. I think he played a really good game. Uh, uh, number 10, I have JT. And say what you will about him, like, flaming out spectacularly the next two times he played. I think JT's token teens game where he played the first... I, I'm technically going to say the second perfect game. I think there was one more perfect game before him, technically. Uh, but JT uh, played a really solid social game. He had Steven Fish back. They were a great dynamic duo. I think Steven deserves more, deserved more credit, but I don't think JT was like just a hapless fool who just followed Steven around. I think they made the decisions together, and JT was able to uh, socially connect well with Coach and Tyson and was able to really play that coach vote really well where he threw his vote so that coach would respect him and still vote for him at the end. Like, I think JT's a good... I think JT's a good player who will take big risks. Uh, Not all of them will pay off. Um, I think that he... I didn't like what he did with Game Changers with getting Malcolm voted out early and then not playing his idol when he should absolutely should have known that he needed to play it. I don't understand that at all. Um, so he takes ri- big risks, bigger risks than he needs to, but ended up paying off in token teams, and I think that can't be... Uh, that can't be uh, understated. I think he played a really good game in his first time. Number nine, I have Tommy Sheehan uh, from Island of the Idols. Not, it's pr- my least favorite season probably because of what went down, but Tommy's game was really impressive. I had him as my winner pick of that season as well. Um, dude literally played a modern game with an old school social game, and that is something that's hard to do. We didn't know if it was going to be possible for someone to win that way in the modern era, but social game trumps all, and that was cr- crazy impressive to me. Um... Mm. And was able to get himself out of situations that some players wouldn't have been able to get out of. So, Tommy's a really good player. I think it would be cool to see him play again, but I don't think that will ever happen. Uh, obviously, he wasn't at Winners of War, uh, and that's fine. Um, so, but Tommy's a really good player. Number eight, I have Jeremy Collins from Second Chance. I think Jeremy is another one of my favorites. I think Jeremy, uh, he's made the merge all every time he's played. Um, I think he's really, really likable. Obviously, as a family man, uh, firefighter, I, I really think... Uh, but Jeremy's strength was second chance. He came back and was like, the first time I tried sort of the strategy of aligning with all the women, and uh, and this time I need to surround myself with other strong players, these meat shields. And he really defined the meat shield strategy, which is something that I really... Um, love. I would love to use that if I were to uh, play because like in a certain way depends on who I'm with but I just think the meat shield strategy is a really good strategy um, for uh, some people to use and uh, you know if big threats if you all work together then you're going to get some rid of the lesser threats and stop them from taking you all out. So I really, and you can have other people in front of you to take the bullets if you're good enough with that. Um, so Jeremy played a really great game in Second Chance, and as much as I, you, I, I like Spencer, but I, Jeremy absolutely played the best game in that season um, uh, over like Spencer, and obviously taking out Kelly Wentworth before the end, but I think he played better than Wentworth did too. Um, number seven, I have Ewell from Cook Islands. I think Ewell is such a strategic mastermind, um, really understood the game, really interesting to hear Ewell talk about it. I think Ewell kind of got uh, screwed a little bit on Winners at War, uh, for, <laughs> because of a merge that happened one vote later, where he would have been in a great spot. Um, like, everybody knows Ewell is a crazy smart player, and, uh, Dude just knows how to play the game, I and mean, he 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 got 
Penner to uh, vote his way by bargaining with him the idol, and that's a, one of the smartest plays I've ever seen someone use an idol for without actually needing to play it. And so um, Ewell's a really good player. He beat Ozzy in the finals, and I think that was probably Ozzy's best game that he's ever played. So I, I think that uh, that was really impressive. Um, number six, I have Todd Herzog from China. I think Todd is an example. He played a really solid strategic game and then at the end was able to own his game completely to the jury. And that final tribal council is one of the best end performances uh, of any winner, of any player. And uh, really, really impressive stuff from Todd. I'm another super fan, so I can connect in that way to the game that Todd played. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have any flaws with Todd's game per se. Um, I think he made a couple mistakes. He was able to fix them with like accidentally giving James two idols, but was able to fix that uh, with the blind side of James. And uh, yeah, I mean, being able to own up to your game that well in front of the jury and convince people that maybe were on the fence about voting for you really really good stuff um top five uh number five parvati shallow i think parvati is one of the best survivor players of all time i think she just has this aura about her that draws people in i mean we've seen it time and time again she's able to do that her micronesia game she's able to build these solid social connections with the women and get this women's alliance together i think she was the glue that held them together while uh, Sari was able to come up with these plans and uh, execute them. Um, I think it was Parvati or Sari's game, and unfortunately Sari lost, and then Parvati won the game, and Parvati deserved it. And she, her Heroes vs. Villains game is crazy impressive, too. Even Cook Island's her least impressive game, probably. She still made it pretty far. Winners at War, she kind of got swap-screwed, pretty much. Um... And her with her threat level, none of those high-profile winners were ever... Well, I want to say that, but then Tony won the game again. So, um, But I, I, most of those high-profile winners were not winning the game again. So um, Parvati's a really great player. Uh, number four, I have Kim Spradlin from One World. Uh, Kim controlled the game really well. She knows how to connect to people as well, speaking to someone who draws you in. And she again proved herself on Where's It More. One World is not one of my favorite seasons, but she controlled that women's alliance just like Parvati did. And uh, that's impressive. Um, and really, when your only opposition is Troyzan, like, I think <laughs> I think that that's crazy impressive what Kim was able to pull off and convince people uh, moves to do make moves that were not in their best interest at all. So, um Number three, Earl Cole from Fiji. I think Earl technically played the bet, the first perfect game. Um, he was he got a throwaway vote early on, but he was never in danger of being voted out, so I don't really count that. And he won all the jury votes. Uh, and Earl is a really good player. Fiji is one of my favorite underrated seasons. Uh, that's in the top half of my rankings because uh, I think Earl and Yao Man were just great players in that season, and I think Earl really flawlessly pulled everything off that he wanted to and even if something didn't happen like one of his closest allies michelle uh gets pretty much twist screwed and he's able to completely recover and build this alliance back up and still go forward with the plan to take out uh the alex mookie edgardo alliance one by one and i think that's super super impressive of earl's game and is able to cut yao man loose at the very end and win so Really impressive stuff. Earl is someone I would love to see play again. Uh, I wish he would have been able to play again at Winners at War, but uh, I guess some personal stuff came up for him, so he couldn't. Um, but really, really great. I would highly recommend people check out Fiji just for Earl Cole's game, because I think it's... And Yao Man, of course. But uh, Earl was a really great player. Um, number two, though, we have our two-time winners in the top two. Shocker. But number two, I have Sandra. And Sandra is able to do that as long as it's not me strategy and make it work. Um, her wins, Pearl Islands is one of the best new player casts of all time. Uh, and she was able to, um, yeah, there's votes where 
she was out of the loop a little bit, but like the Rupert blind side from fair play, but she's able to recover really, really quickly. The blame and she get she dumps out the fish and then the blame goes on her closest ally, Krista, instead. And that's extremely impressive that she's able to pull that off. And then she beats Lil at the end. Like I, I absolutely think and she executes the Burton blind side at the final five. Like uh Sandra's a great player, and then Heroes vs. Villains, one of the best seasons, best casts of all time, too, um, is able to suck up to the Heroes tribe at the merge and, um, you know, be like, I'm willing to flip if you guys can get your shit together. They couldn't get their shit together, and so she just decides to go to the end with Russell because she knows she can beat Russell, and unfortunately for Parvati, she was seen as too tied to Russell, and... Uh, Sandra was able to uh, play on that and was able to win because the hero she connected with the heroes socially and so that's impressive game changers she kind of got swap screwed when she came back winners of war she obviously got slayed an Australian survivor recently uh, she from uh, she also got pretty much swap screwed in that so I mean there's Sandra's a really good player, and unfortunately, the other times she played, she was never going to win at that point because of her being the first two-time Survivor winner. But number one, I have Tony Vlachos. Uh, again, played on two of the greatest seasons in Survivor history, two of the greatest casts. Kagiyan, again, one of the great newbie casts, and Tony completely owned that really crazy strategic uh, season full of crazy people and being one of the crazy people and nobody thought tony was going to be able to win be able to win and his best move was probably convincing Wu to take him to the end over Cass. i don't know how tony was able to mind mind trick woo jedi mind trick woo so hard but he did it and then winners at war dude runs circles around winners doesn't receive a vote against him all season which is insane and i know the game changers happened um, where he went a little bit too crazy, but I think dude was just trying to have fun as well. And I think winners at war, he came back and said, I'm going to have fun, but I'm also going to be serious this time. And it showed, and he played an amazing game in winners at war. And it was such a joy to watch him play that season. Um, being like, is Tony actually going to pull this off? And I didn't think it was possible, but I'm glad he's the second two time winner in survivor history. And he's absolutely my number one. Um, so I that is my winner rankings for U.S. Survivor. I didn't want to do Australian Survivor for this because it was hard to evaluate a game that is twice as long. And yeah, so we did cover the first season on the podcast from 2016, if you ever want to listen to that. But um, yeah, so that's it for my U.S. Survivor winner rankings. So I'll see you guys next time on the Tribe of Nerds.